The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome into Duval Daily, presented by GenJag.com. I'm Jordan DeLugo. Thank you so much for tuning in here. Second show of the day here on Tuesday, February 21st. Right now, <clears throat> not covering news per se. Talked about Jim Bob Cooter heading to Indianapolis. Talked about the franchise tag window opening earlier today. You can go check that out on our YouTube page, on the po- podcast page, on your podcast platform of choice. But right now, we're going to take a look at my wish list for the Jaguars at 24 overall. That's where they're currently slated to pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. This is going to be a list, a grouping of players that I think would be really interesting, exciting, enticing fits for the Jaguars if they do end up keeping their pick at 24 overall. There's a lot of different things that could happen between now and draft day in late April. The Jaguars could move on from that pick. They could do a lot of different things. There's a lot of maneuverability for the Jaguars and how they could potentially handle this. You've seen Trent Baalke is willing to uh, kind of march to the beat of his own drum, doing things um, <clears throat> doing things that he might be keen on doing that maybe no one else is doing, like Trayvon Walker at first overall, trading up for Devin Lloyd, um, making the trade for Calvin Ridley at the trade deadline. He's willing to surprise you. He's willing to do some things that are a little outside of the box. And so the Jaguars could end up moving on from this pick. But for the sake of this conversation today, Jaguars picking at 24 overall, this is just my wish list for this team. Um, And and it might not be the highest rated players. I'm trying to be realistic here. Uh, Look at guys that could actually fall to 24 overall. This isn't like my rankings for the 2023 draft class because there's a lot of guys in my first round that I just don't think have a chance to fall to 24 for the Jaguars. With all that being said, let's go ahead and dive into this wish list, shall we? We'll start at edge for the Jaguars here. And I think Miles Murphy is too much of a long shot to fall to 24, even though he didn't have the production um, from a sack standpoint that a lot of people would have liked in Clemson's defense over the last couple years. The physical talent is almost unparalleled in this class, I would say, from a standpoint of his his size, length, athleticism, power, and bend. And he's already a really good run defender. He's a raw pass rusher, but with his combination of traits, he's a guy that a lot of teams would really like. He's a guy that I think Trent Baalke would really like to add to his his team, but I don't think that he'll be available at 24 overall. Did want to mention him because you have seen him uh, trending downwards a little bit when you look at some of the mock drafts over the last month or so. You've seen some some slippage from, from Miles Murphy. And I think he's a guy who projects to be able to play 3-4 outside linebacker or 4-3 defensive end can do different things for you. Uh, he's, he's that talented and that physically gifted. Um, a guy that, you know, 
not super dissimilar from a Trayvon Walker. Trayvon Walker was a little bit uh, a little bit longer, I, I believe, but not too dissimilar from a projection standpoint. Although he has played a lot more exclusively on the edge than Trayvon Walker did at Georgia. But getting into guys, I think have a more realistic chance to be there at 24 overall in this edge class. Will McDonald, I'm not going to lie, I have risen so much on this guy over the last month. What I saw from him at the Senior Bowl, he came in over 240 pounds, which impressed me because he was a lighter guy. Um, He has 35-inch arm. I mean, unbelievable length Will McDonald brings to the table. And he's a crazy athlete. He's got really good bend. He's got really good flexibility. Um, You see the guy can win on the outside arc, can win inside as well. He's not the most advanced pass rusher, but you did see a little bit of a pass rush plan from him in Mobile at the Senior Bowl when he was being played in a more uh, realistic position than what he was being played at at Iowa State for quite some time. He was lined up more as a a four-eye, as a guy that would be head up with offensive tackles as well instead of really being lined up outside uh, in a two-point stance with with some room to work with where he could really get the offensive tackle um, on skates and win with, again, his, his length, his hand usage, and his overall blend of athleticism and and flexibility. Really impressive guy. Again, Trent Baalke loves length. I, I don't think Arden Key is a terrible comp for Will McDonald, although I think Will McDonald has way better traits, right? Again, with the 35-inch arms, with the athleticism and flexibility that he brings to the to the table. But when you look at how Arden Key is winning now in the NFL, he uses his length, he uses his athleticism to take advantage of offensive tackles and interior offensive linemen. I think Will McDonald could do the same thing for you. And, and in a 3-4 front where he's an outside linebacker, right, that's where you want him in the NFL. You don't want him uh, lining up with his hands in the dirt and and playing 4-3 defensive end or anything like that. You definitely want him in a 3-4 system where he can rush from a two-point stance. And in that type of system, I think he'll be fine as a weak side run. I don't think that he's like going to be some guy that you just can't have on the field as a 3-4 outside linebacker to play run defense. Uh, I don't see that. And the, and the next guy on this list for me at edge is the same exact way. That's B.J. Ojolari out of LSU, the brother of Aziz Ojolari. Similar game to his brother in a lot of ways. Um, incredible athlete. He's a very young prospect still, so that's exciting. Um, from a potential growth development physically. Uh, this is a guy that has an advanced arsenal of pass rush moves, in my opinion. He can win on the outside track. He has a ghost move that's deadly. It's lethal. He can get you inside as well with inside moves. Um, I think he's one of the guys that's closest to to being an impact pass rusher early on at the next level. And again, in a 3-4 outside linebacker type of role uh, that he could play in Jacksonville makes a lot of sense. The reason he's going to be available at 24 overall is not because he's not a good pass rusher. It's because people are going to worry about his overall power profile uh, projecting to the next level. But again, I think in a 3-4 system, he's going to be just fine. And this is a guy who I think can still pack on a little bit more mass as a younger prospect. And we've seen the NFL bloodlines with his brother. Uh, B.J. Ojolari, I think, is going to be a really exciting prospect for whoever gets him. Good chance he falls into the second round, but I wouldn't be surprised if he goes late day one. 
if the Jaguars are the team that goes and gets him, I'd be really fired up to see what he can do here in Jacksonville and how they kind of uh, approach their edge rush in 2023. Next up, we have some tight ends that I'd be fired up to get uh, in Jacksonville here. And really, it's kind of a flavor type of thing with these tight ends. I've got four tight ends that I would be fine with the Jaguars taking at 24 overall. And I know that might sound crazy, but when you talk about the way Doug Peterson can use tight ends in his offense um, and the different skill sets that are available in this draft, I want to talk about these four guys. And it might sound from some of the tweets I've made, from some of the things I've said on this show, like I'm not a huge Michael Mayer fan, but that's the furthest thing from the truth. He is my tight end one. Him and Luke Musgrave have kind of been teetering back and forth. I've been going back and forth in my head. I think you could take either one and justify it in the first round. But talking about Michael Mayer, he's definitely not just that move tight end. I think he's a balanced tight end that could do some of the things Chris Manhurts does for you, that could also do some of the things that Evan Ingram does for you. Um, And and, uh, so he wouldn't come in and just be this unbelievable athletic seam stretching tight end he's going to come in he's a good athlete he's incredibly powerful he is twitched up for his size he's a good mover for his size he has tremendous hands great ball skills a guy that's going to be effective as a a run blocker and a receiver for you as a pass blocker and a receiver for you Michael Mayer offers so much versatility to your offense and so much skill that I, I think you would be crazy to be upset with your team taking him in the back half of the first round. And for the Jaguars, a team that they do have Evan Ingram, who they've got to figure out what's going on. Ingram was just tweeting about, he thought that the Jaguars were tweeting out the announcement, whatever the announcement is, uh, whether maybe franchise tag, maybe it's a long-term deal. We'll see what it is coming and coming for Evan Ingram. Uh, but even with Evan Ingram, I would not be mad at the Jaguars taking another tight end because you don't want to pay Evan Ingram forever. You want to keep uh, the you want to keep the, the the team continuing to have uh, offensive weapons infused into the roster year over year, and this is a great year to try to do it with some of these tight ends. Uh, I've talked a lot about Luke Musgrave already on this channel. The fact of the matter is, he has NFL bloodlines with his uncle Bill Musgrave. He's six foot five and a half. 255 pounds. He's going to probably run in the four fours or low four fives. He's got huge catch radius, a really talented prospect that just hasn't had as many opportunities as some of the other guys. He suffered an injury after the second game of the year in 2023, missed the rest of the season, went to the senior bowl. I I thought he acquitted himself well, having not played uh, in so long. And he's a guy that I just think you put him in a Doug Peterson offense you get him running mesh, you get him stretching the seam, I think Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence would have a field day with Luke Musgrave with a little bit of development. And look, he's not going to be a dominant blocker, but I think he can be a serviceable blocker. I think the talk about him not being able to block at all at the next level is a little bit overblown. Are there bad reps on tape? Absolutely. Are there also really good reps on tape from him as a blocker and and getting out and working to the second level? Yes, there are those too. Um, And so Michael Mayer to me is more in the Rob Gronkowski type mold. And I don't want to say he's Gronkowski 2.0. They do have some similarities in their football game, but it's more of that type of mold where he's incredibly athletic and and fast for his size, but not uh, 
for the tight end position as a whole. He's more of a really good athlete than a great athlete at the position, but he brings so many other things to the table that you love, so many other traits. Whereas Luke Musgrave is just this traitsy, unbelievable length, unbelievable size and speed type of prospect. Then you look at Dalton Kincaid, and he's smaller than both of these guys, right? Dalton Kincaid, only 240 pounds listed at Utah, uh, so not as big. So you're talking about a guy who is primarily going to be in the slot for you, similar to Luke Musgrave. But I do think you'll you'll have an opportunity to develop him as a guy who can stay in line for you at times. That's not what you want him to be. Uh, that's not what you want his primary role to be for you at the next level. But can you stick him in there at times with some development? Yeah, I think so. And from a pass catching standpoint, Dalton Kincaid really, really talented route runner unbelievable at the catch point really strong hands to catch the ball away from his frame to catch the ball through traffic doesn't really let anything hit the ground for the most part uh and when you look at the way he moves the way he wins uh for um for utah more in the travis kelsey type of mold and again i'm not saying he's travis kelsey i'm not saying he's going to be travis kelsey i'm saying from a skill set standpoint he's more of that type of tight end a tight end that you move around the formation that you get the ball to in a variety of different ways and he ends up just being a really solid efficient uh, producer for you because he catches everything and he's got some skill with the ball in his hand as well but at 240 pounds he is undersized for the position. Is he going to add some weight going to the combine? We'll see how that works out. Darnell Washington. This is the final tight end I would be like, all right, if the Jaguars go get this guy, that would be hella exciting. Um, and I'd be fine at 24, not because I think he's going to be an elite receiver at the next level, but I do think he can be a guy who is an effective receiver You want to make sure the focus drops kind of get eliminated at the next level, but uh, he's shown the ability to be an effective receiver. But the biggest thing about Darnell Washington, 6'7", 260-plus pounds, whatever his weight is at this point, he is a sixth offensive lineman. He is going to move people off the ball for you. If you want to talk about establishing the run with Travis Etienne, with making sure that you can close out games on the ground, Darnell Washington is going to go a long, long way towards being able to do that. Incredible size, length, again, raw as a receiver, but there is talent there as a receiver, uh, and I think he's going to run a a lot faster than you would expect for a man his size. So I wouldn't be as stoked on him as the other three at 24 overall because I think the other three present just more of – more of a receiving skill set than Darnell Washington does, even though Darnell Washington does have a receiving skill set. It's just not as impressive as the others. Moving on to secondary players here. Start with Brian Branch. If Brian Branch were to fall to 24 overall, he would represent a massive value, in my opinion, for the Jaguars. Uh, He's a guy that I have at nine on my board right now. But he's not going to be the biggest guy in the world. 
and he's not going to be an outside corner. He's kind of playing that nickel-slash-hybrid safety role for Alabama. That's kind of what you project him at at the next level as well. Uh, I think the Jaguars could certainly use a player like that to help solidify the middle of the field in coverage and against the run. He would really do that. He's a guy that does not miss tackles, one of the best tacklers in this class. He's going to have really good range. He's going to have good speed. He's just not going to be the biggest guy on the field for you. But if you want a smart football player who can do so many different things for your defense, again, over the middle of the field where the Jaguars were really weak in pass coverage, in my opinion, down the stretch, uh, I think that Brian Branch makes a ton of sense for you if he falls to 24 overall. I think the next two guys have a better chance to fall to 24 overall than Brian Branch does. Uh, certainly the second one we'll look at, but starting with Cam Smith here out of South Carolina, six foot 188 is what he's listed at. He's a guy that's played outside and inside in the slot uh, for the South Carolina Gamecocks. Really physical, really aggressive. I think he has pretty good feet. I think he has good overall athleticism. Tremendous ball skills, tremendous physicality. He is a little grabby, which he's going to have to improve at the next level. But that's kind of something you're seeing from these South Carolina corners that have been coming out lately. Uh, I don't think that he's J.C. Horn. I don't. You, know, you don't need a helmet scout like that. But does he bring the same kind of chippiness and alpha mindset to the field that J.C. Horn does? Cam Smith absolutely does that. And I think if you brought him into Jacksonville to kind of try to take over that nickel role in 2023 and then probably move to the outside later in his career or to stick there if it ends up working out at a really high level. I think that could be a lot of fun for the Jaguars at 24. And again, he would bring personality. He would bring aggressiveness um, and, and physicality to that defense, which I think you can always use. The next one, this is going to be a nickel only, I think, early on in his career. Uh, maybe forever just because of the size that you're going to have with Clark Phillips, another Utah player. Um, played with Devin Lloyd, obviously, last year. Clark Phillips is, you know, he's undersized. I think he's going to be about 5'9 to 5'10, probably 180 pounds. But he's he feels like you're disrespecting him if you're throwing the ball on his side of the field. And he shows that time and time again when he breaks on balls, when he picks off passes, when he shuts receivers down. Um, he's small, but he's got the hip fluidity, the the feet, obviously, all that stuff. He's got everything but size. If Clark Phillips was like an inch or two taller, uh, put on like 10 pounds or so, which it's not going to happen at this point in his career probably, maybe you could add a few pounds to the frame. But if he was um, just a little bit taller, a little bit longer, you're talking about a guy who would be a surefire first-round pick but because of the size concerns, probably going to end up falling to day two in the draft, and I don't think he should, uh, not in this draft class because he's too damn talented. You, I think you, if you plugged him in at nickel for the Jaguars next year, and he's not super experienced at nickel, right? He has primarily played outside. But I think if you stick him in there, there at nickel from the jump, uh, from from the start of rookie minicamp, and you just keep working uh, working him at that spot throughout the summer, you could end up with a really, really impressive young nickel player for you in 2023 and beyond. All right, we will stick on the defensive side of the ball for this one. And it's really a player who I would be shocked if the Jaguars ended up taking uh, because he is undersized. But it's interior defensive lineman Kalijah Kansi. This is one of the best interior pass rushers I've ever seen. Uh, but he's six foot, maybe, and 280, maybe. 
Uh, so teams are obviously going to have concerns about the size. I don't think he's incredibly long. I think he has decent proportional length, but don't think he's incredibly long. What he does bring to the table always is that natural leverage, that quickness, um, and he has some legitimate power and a big-time pass rush arsenal that he can deploy on the interior. One of the most unstoppable rushers in college football and if he's available at 24 and the Jaguars pulled the trigger, I would be fired up about it. I don't think it's going to happen. Again, Trent Baalke values size. He values length. This is not the type of pick you've seen from him uh, early on in drafts over the course of his career as a general manager. But I'd be fired up to see Kalijah Kansi and Duval. We're going to round this out here with a few wide receivers that I think would be really fun in Jacksonville. Again, wide receiver, I know you have Calvin Ridley coming in here. I know you have Christian Kirk and Zay Jones. Probably don't want to pay Zay forever now that you've got Calvin, now that you've got Christian. You're going to want to allocate more resources towards bringing Calvin Ridley in on his second deal following the 2023 season if things go well. Uh, So I could see you trying to get younger here. I doubt the Jaguars go receiver this early in the draft, but again, this is my wish list. This is guys that if the Jaguars did go get them at 24 overall, I think they would really raise the level of the Jaguars uh, overall talent and, and really fit what this team, uh, what this team can utilize from a coaching and a roster construction standpoint. So let's get into these receivers. It's basically uh, most people's consensus top four um, right here. And it's Quentin Johnston, who I have a early second round grade on. But for full transparency here, I only have 21 first round grades right now. So Quentin Johnston, he's 25 overall on my board. The questions about him for me are really just the catch point skills He's too much of a body catcher at times, but you see examples of him being able to extend for the football and catch it away from his body as well. I'm betting on the fact that he's going to run incredibly fast, that he's really quick, twitched up athlete, and uh, in a Doug Peterson type of offense, how many different ways could you use this guy? How could Doug Peterson scheme him wide open? I mean, I think the options would be endless, endless for Quentin Johnston and a Doug Peterson offense and He would give you, uh, I think, a nine-ball specialist that you don't necessarily have at this point uh, on the Jaguars roster. The next guy is, and these are in no specific order. I would be really excited about any of these receivers. Uh, Zay Flowers, who attended the Shrine Bowl, lit it up. He's not a huge guy, but he wins at all three levels of the field. He has tremendous speed. He's a route-running technician already. There's a few focus drops on tape, but you do see the contested catch ability as well. I think Zay Flowers is going to be impossible to cover at the next level. I think he would be, in a Doug Peterson offense, one of the ultimate weapons in the league, bar none. I think he's that good. Next up, Jackson Smith in Jigba. I think even though he's primarily a slot, and I think so, Zay Flowers is probably going to be primarily a slot as well. In a Doug Peterson offense, you can have multiple guys that are going to align on the interior or be move guys, you know, at, at the at the uh, snap, you know, guys that are in motion, guys that are shifting inside, shifting outside. I think you can have more than one guy like that. And Jackson Smith and Jigba, that's what he was at Ohio State. Um, he's not a huge receiver. I think he's going to be six foot, maybe a little under six foot. 
about 195, 200 pounds. But this is a player who catches everything that comes his way. Great, great route runner. He's going to raise the efficiency of the Jaguars offense if the Jaguars end up bringing him in here because he's going to be, again, where he's supposed to be, when he's supposed to be there, and he's going to catch the football when Trevor Lawrence puts it on him. And uh, I think that cannot be overvalued enough. You know, just having a really reliable guy. The Jaguars receivers were still among the league leaders in drops last year. And I think if you brought in a player like Jackson Smith and Jigba and you started featuring him in your offense more, you would uh, potentially become a much more efficient overall unit. Final receiver here, and he's actually the highest rated receiver on my board. So again, this is not in any specific order, just these four receivers that I think would be super fun in Jacksonville at 24 overall. And that's Jordan Addison. Uh, I doubt he falls to 24, but again, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of really well-respected people that cover the draft. Um, that kind of see some volatility in his projection where maybe he could be a late first-round pick instead of a mid-first-round mid type of guy. But Addison, the only, the only question about him, in my opinion, at this point in his career is his size. Uh, he's going to be probably 170 pounds. He's, he's light. He's very light, but incredible route runner, incredible speed. There's been comps of him to Calvin Ridley. I do see that. Like with his explosiveness, with with the way he's able to throttle down and get through in, in and out of his breaks. He's a special receiver, and he was dominant at Pitt. He was dominant at USC. I think he's going to be dominant at the next level, whether that's from the slot. Again, I think Doug in a Doug Peterson offense, you could line this guy up anywhere and have a lot of success with them. And that's one of the fun things about Doug Peterson being the Jaguars head coach. They can go in so many different directions offensively because you've got a smart, uh, a smart offensive designer and play caller that's going to utilize these guys' uh, skill sets to the, to the best of his ability. And you saw it. Um, produce career years for Christian Kirk, for Evan Ingram, for Zay Jones. Like you've seen it year in and year out with Doug Peterson for the most part throughout his coaching career. So I think that um, getting getting some fun offensive players in here, it could really it could really raise the level of, of uh, efficiency and really give the Jaguars a chance to take that next step in 2023, whatever that next step is. Again, you want to win your division again, but you don't want to have it come down to Week 18. You want to be trying to host more home playoff games. Maybe you want to be trying to host the Chiefs or the Bills or the or the Bengals in the playoffs instead of having to go to Arrowhead or Buffalo or Cincinnati, uh, right? So how can you level up? How can you get there? I think all these players that I've talked about today could help you in that regard. Uh, in a major way here in Jacksonville. But that's going to do it for Duval Daily here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, if you guys enjoy the content, please hit that like and subscribe button. Uh, you can also subscribe and review on your podcast platform of choice. Really, really helps us out. Thank you so much for tuning in, Duval. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. <laughs>